Section 24 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Su Ting, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 37, Part 1. In the study of autumnal cheerfulness is accidentally formed the Sidonia Japonica Society. In the Hangwu court, the chrysanthemum is on a certain night proposed as a subject for verses. But to continue, after Xu Xiangyun's return home, Bao Yu and the other inmates spend their time, as of old, in rambling about in the garden in search of pleasure and in humming poetical compositions. But without further reference to their doings, let us take up our narrative with Jia Zheng. Ever since the visit paid to her home by the imperial consort, he fulfilled his official duties with additional zeal for the purpose of reverently making requital for the grace shown him by the emperor. His correct bearing and his spotless reputation did not escape his majesty's notice, and he conferred upon him the special appointment of literary chancellor, with the sole object of singling out his true merit. For though he had not commenced his career through the arena of public examinations, he belonged nevertheless to a family addicted to letters during successive generations. Zhao Jun had, therefore, on the receipt of the imperial decree, to select the twentieth day of the eighth moon to set out on his journey. When the appointed day came, he worshipped at the shrines of his ancestors, took leave of them and of Daoja Lady Jia, and started for his post. It would be a needless task, however, to recount with any full particulars how Bao Yu and all the inmates saw him off how Zha Zhen went to take up his official duties, and what occurred abroad. Suffice it for us to notice that Bao Yu, ever since Zha Zhen's departure, indulged his caprices, allowed his feelings to run riot, and gathered wildly about. In fact, he wasted his time and added fruitless days and months to his age. On this special occasion, he experienced more than ever a sense of his lack of resources, and came to look up his grandmother Jia and Madame Wang. With them, he whiled away some of his time, after which he returned into the garden. As soon as he changed his costume, he perceived Chui Mo enter, with a couple of sheets of fancy notepaper in her hand, which she delivered to him. It quite slipped from my mind, Bao Yu remarked, I managed to have gone and seen my cousin Tertia. Is she better that you come? Miss is all right, Tui Mo answered. She hasn't even had any medicine today. It's only a slight chill. When Bao Yu heard this reply, he unfolded the fancy note paper. On perusal, he found the contents to be Your cousin, Tan Chen respectfully lays this on her cousin Secunda's study table. When the other night, the blue sky newly opened out to view. The moon shone as if 
it had been washed clean. Such admiration did this pure and rare panorama evoke in me that I could not reconcile myself to the idea of going to bed. The capsidra had already accomplished three turns, and yet I roamed by the railing under the triandra trees. But such poor treatment did I receive from wind and dew that I caught a chill which brought about an ailment as severe as that which prevented the man of old from picking up sticks. You took the trouble yesterday to come in person and cheer me up. Time after time also did you send your attendants round to make affectionate inquiries about me. You likewise presented me with fresh lychees and relics of writings of Zhen Qing. How deep is really your gracious love? As I leaned today on my table, plunged in silence, I suddenly remembered that the Asians of successive ages were placed in circumstances in which they had to struggle for reputation and to fight for gain, but that they nevertheless acquired spots with hills and dripping streams, and inviting people to come from far and near, they did all they could to detain them by throwing the linchpins of their chariots into wells or by holding on to their shafts, and that they invariably joined friendship with two or three of the same mind as themselves, with whom they strolled about in these grounds, either erecting altars for song or establishing societies for scanning poetical works. Their meetings were, it is true, prompted on the spur of the moment by a sudden fit of good cheer. But these have again and again proved, during many years, a pleasant topic of conversation. I, your cousin, may, I admit, be devoid of talent, yet I have been fortunate enough to enjoy your company amidst streams and rockeries, and to furthermore admire the elegant verses composed by Xue Baotai and Lin Daiyu. When we were in the breezy hall and the moonlit pavilion, what a pity we never talked about poets. But near the almond tree with the sign and the peach tree by the stream, we may perhaps, when under the fumes of wine, be able to fling round the cups used for humming verses. Who is it who opines that societies with any claim to excellent abilities can only be formed by men? May it not be that the pleasant meetings on the Dongshan might yield in merit to those such as ourselves of the weaker sex? Should you not think it too much to walk on the snow? I shall make bold to ask you round, and sweep the way clean of flowers, and wait for you. Respectfully written. The perusal of this note filled Pao Yu unawares with exultation. Clapping his hands, my third cousin, he laughed, is the one eminently polished. I will go at once today and talk matters over with her. As he spoke, he started immediately, followed by Chui Mo. As soon as they reached the Qingfang Pavilion, they espied the matron on duty that day at the back door of the garden, advancing towards them with a note in her hand. The moment she perceived Pao Yu, she forthwith came up to meet him. Mr. Yun, she said, 
presents his compliments to you. He is waiting for you at the back gate. This is a note he bade me bring you. Upon opening the note, Pao Yu found it to read as follows. An unfilial son, Yun, reverently inquires about his worthy father's boundless happiness and precious health. Remembering the honor conferred upon me by your recognizing me in your heavenly bounty as your son, I tried both day as well as night to do something in evidence of my pious obedience. But no opportunity could I find to perform anything filial. When I had, some time back, to purchase flowers and plants, I succeeded, thanks to your vast influence, venerable senior, in finally making friends with several gardeners and in seeing a good number of gardens. As the other day, I unexpectedly came across a white begonia of a rare species. I exhausted every possible means to get some and managed to obtain just two parts. If you, worthy senior, regard your son as your own very son, do keep them to feast your eyes upon. But with this hot weather today, the young ladies in the garden will, I fear, not be at their ease. I do not, consequently, presume to come and see you in person, so I present you this letter, written with due respect, while knocking my head before your table. Your son Yun, on his knees, lays this epistle at your feet. After reading this note, Bao Yu laughed. Has he come along? he asked, or has he anyone else with him? He's got two flower pots as well, rejoined the matron. You go and tell him, Bao Yu urged, that I've informed myself of the contents of his notes, and that there are few who think of me as he does. If you also take the flowers and put them in my room, it will be all right. So saying, he came with Chui Mo into the Chiu Xiang study, where he discovered Bao Chai, Da Yu, Ying Chun, and Si Chun already assembled. When they saw him drop in upon them, they all burst out laughing. Here comes still another, they exclaimed. I'm not a boor, smiled Tan Chen. So when the idea casually crossed my mind, I wrote a few notes to try and see who would come. But who'd have thought that, as soon as I asked you, you would all come? It's unfortunately late, Bao Yu smilingly observed. We should have started this society long ago. You can call this late, Da Yu interposed. So, why give way to regret? The only thing is, you must form your society, without including me in the number, for I daren't be one of you. If you daren't, Ying Chun smiled, who can presume to do so? This is, suggested Bao Yu, a legitimate and great purpose, and we should all exert our energies. You shouldn't be modest, and I, Yu Ding, but every one of us who thinks of anything should freely express it for general discussion. So senior cousin Bao Chai to make some suggestion, and you junior cousin Lin Da Yu say something. What are you in this hurry for? Bao Chai exclaimed. We are not all here yet. This remark was barely concluded when Li Wen also arrived. As soon as she crossed the threshold, it's an excellent proposal, she lovingly cried, this of starting a poetical society 
I recommend myself as controller. Some time ago in spring, I thought of this, but I mused, I am unable to compose verses. So what's the use of making a mess of things? This is why I dispelled the idea from my mind and made no mention about it. But since it's your good pleasure, cousin Tertia, to start it, I will help you to set it on foot. As you have made up your minds, that you put in, to initiate a poetical society, every one of us will be poets. So we should, as a first step, do away with those various appellations of cousin and uncle and aunt, and thus avoid everything that bears a semblance of vulgarity. First rate, exclaimed Li Wen, and why should we not fix upon some new destinations by which to address ourselves? This will be a far more refined way. As for my own, I've selected that of the old farmer of Daoxiang, so let none of you encroach on it. I'll then call myself the resident scholar of the Qiushang, and have done, Tan Chun observed with a smile. Resident scholar or master is in fact not to the point. It's clumsy, besides. Bao Yu interposed. The place here is full of triandra and banana trees, and if one could possibly hit upon some name bearing upon the triandra and banana, it would be preferable. I've got one, shouted Tan Chen smilingly. I'll style myself the guest under the banana trees. How uncommon, they unanimously cried. It's a nice one. You had better, laughed Dai Yu. Be quick and drag her away and stew some slices of her flesh for people to eat with the wine. No one grasped her meaning. Zhang Zi, Dai Yu proceeded to explain, smiling, says the banana leaves shelter the deer. And as she starves herself, the guest under the banana tree, is she not a deer? So be quick and make pieces of dried venison of her. At these words, the whole company laughed. Don't be in a hurry, Tan Chun remarked as she laughed. You make use of specious language to abuse people. But I've thought of a fine and most apposite name for you. Whereupon addressing herself to the party, in days gone by, she added, an imperial concubine, Liu Ying, sprinkled her tears on the bamboo, and they became spots. So, from olden times to the present, spotted bamboos have been known as the Xiang Imperial Concubine Bamboo. Now, she lives in the Xiao Shang Lodge, and has a weakness too for tears. So the bamboos over there will, by and by, I presume, likewise become transformed into speckled bamboos. Everyone, therefore, must henceforward call her the Xiaoshang Imperial Concubine and finish with it. After listening to her, they one and all clapped their hands and cried out, Capital! Lin Daiyu, however, drooped her head and did not so much as utter a single word. I've also, Li Wen smiled, devised a suitable name for senior cousin, She Bao Cai. It too is one of three characters. Was it? eagerly inquired the party. I'll raise her to the rank of Princess of Heng Wu, Li Wen rejoined. I wonder what you all think about this. This title of honor, Tan Chun observed, is most apposite. What about mine? 
Pao Yu asks. You should try and think of one for me also. Your style has long ago been decided at a point. Pao Chai smiled. It consists of three words. Fussing for nothing. It's most pet. You should, after all, retain your old name of Master of the Flowers in the Purple Cave. Li Wen suggested. That will do very well. Those were some of the doings of my youth. Why rig them up again? Uh, you laughed. Your styles are very many, Tan Chun observed. And what do you want to choose another for? All you've got to do is to make suitable reply when we call you whatever takes our fancy. I must, however, give you a name, Bao Chai remarked. That's a very vulgar name, but it's just the very thing for you. What is difficult to obtain in the world are riches and honors. What is not easy to combine with them is leisure. These two blessings cannot be enjoined together. But, as it happens, you hold one along with the other, so that we might as well dub you the rich and honorable idler. It won't do. It isn't suitable. Bao Yu laughed. It's better that you should call me at random whatever you like. What names are to be chosen for Miss Secunda and Miss Quarter? Leewen inquired. We also don't excel in versifying. What's the use, consequently, of giving us names? Or for no avail? Ying Chun said. In spite of this, argued Tan Chun, it would be well to likewise find something for you. She lives in the Ziling Zhou, that is, Purple Keltrup Isle, so let us call her Lin Zhou, Bao Chai suggested. As for that girl quarter, she lives in the Oshang Shi, that is, Lotus Fragrance Pavilion. She should thus be called Oshang and have done. This will do very well, Li Wen cried. But as far as age goes, I am the senior, and you should all defer to my wishes. But I feel certain that when I've told you what they are, you will unanimously agree to them. We are seven here to form the society, but neither I, nor Miss Secunda, nor Miss Quarter can write verses. So, if you will exclude us three, we'll each share some special duties. The names have already been chosen, Tan Chun smilingly demurred. And do you still keep on addressing them like this? Well, in that case, won't it be as well for them to have no names? But we must also decide upon some scale of fines for future guidance in the event of any mistakes. There will be ample time to fix upon a scale of fines after the society has been definitely established, Li Wen replied. There is plenty of room over in my place, so let's hold our meetings there. I'm not, it is true, a good hand at verses, but if you poets won't treat me disdainfully as a rustic boor, and if you will allow me to play the hostess, I may certainly also gradually become more and more refined. As for conceding to me the presidentship of the society, it won't be enough, of course, for me alone to preside. It will be necessary to invite two others to serve as vice-presidents. You might then enlist Lin Zhou and Ho Xiang 
both of whom are cultured persons, the one to choose the themes and assign the meter, the other to act as copyist and supervisor. We three cannot, however, definitely say that we won't write verses, for if we come across any comparatively easy subject and meter, we too will indict a stanza if we feel so disposed. But you four will positively have to do so. If you agree to this, well, we can proceed with the society. But if you don't fall in with my wishes, I can't presume to join you. Ying Chun and Xi Chun had a natural aversion for verses. What is more, Xia Bao Tai and Lin Da Yu were present. As soon, therefore, as they heard these proposals, which harmonized so thoroughly with their own views, they both, with one voice, approved them as excellent. Tang Chen and the others were likewise well aware of their objects, but they could not, when they saw with what willingness they accepted the charge, insist with any propriety upon their writing verses, and they felt obliged to say yes. Your proposals, she consequently said, may be right enough, but in my views they are ridiculous, for here I've had the trouble of initiating this idea of a society, and instead of my having anything to say in the matter, I've been the means of making you three come and exercise control over me. Well then, Bao Yu suggested, let's go to the Daoxiang village. You're always in a hurry, Li Wen remarked. We are here today to simply deliberate, so wait until I've sent for you again. It would be well, Bao Chai interposed, that we should also decide every how many days we are to meet. If we meet too often, argued Tan Chen, there won't be fun in it. We should simply come together two or three times in a month. It will be ample if we meet thrice or thrice a month, Bao Chai added, but when the days have been settled, neither wind nor rain should prevent us. Exclusive, however, of these two days, anyone in high spirits and disposed to have an extra meeting can either ask us to go over to her place, or you can all come to us, either will do well enough. But won't it be more pleasant if no hard and fast days be laid down? This suggestion is excellent, they all exclaimed. This idea was primarily originated by me, Tan Chen observed, and I should be the first to play the hostess, so that these good spirits of mine shouldn't all go for nothing. Well, after this remark, Li Wen proceeded, what do you say to your being the first to convene a meeting tomorrow? Tomorrow, Tan Chen demurred, is not as good as today. The best thing is to have it at once. We better therefore choose the subjects, while Lin Jiu can fix the meter, and Ouxiang act as supervisor. According to my ideas, Ying Chun chimed in, we shouldn't yield to the wishes of any single person in the choice of themes and the settlement of the rhythm. What would really be fair and right would be to draw lots. When I came just now, Li Wen pursued, I noticed them bring in two pots of white begonias, which were simply beautiful. And why should you not write some verses on them? Can we write verses? Ying Chun retorted, 
before we have as yet seen anything of the flowers. They are purely and simply white begonias, Pao Chai answered, and is there again any need to see them before you put together your verses? Men of old merely indicted poetical compositions to express their good cheer and conceal their sentiments. Had they waited to write on things they had seen, why, the whole number of their works would not be in existence at present. In that case, Yin Chun said, let me fix the meter. With these words, she walked up to the bookcase and extracting a volume. She opened it at random at some verses which turned out to be a heptameter stanza. Then, handing it round for general perusal, everybody had to compose lines with seven words in each. Ying Chun next closed the book of verses and addressed herself to a young waiting maid. Just utter, she bade her, the first character that comes to your mouth. The waiting maid was standing, leaning against the door, so readily she suggested the word door. The rhyme then will be the word door. Ying Chun smiled. Under the thirteenth character, Yuan, the final word of the first line is therefore door. Saying this, she asked for the box with the rhyme slips, and pulling out the thirteenth drawer with the character Yuan, she directed a young waiting maid to take four words as they came under her hand. The waiting maid complied with her directions, and picked out four slips, on which were written Pen, Huan, Hun, and Huan, that is, pot, spirit, traces, and dusk. The two characters, pot and door, observed Bao Yu, are not very easy to rhyme with. But Xi Shu then got ready for lots of paper and pens, share and share alike, and one and all quietly set to work, racking their brains to perform their task, with the exception of Da Yu, who either kept on rubbing the dryandra flowers, or looking at the autumnal weather, or bending jokes as well with the servant girls, while Ying Chun ordered a waiting maid to light a dream sweet incense stick. This dream sweet stick was it must be explained, made only about three inches long and about the thickness of a lamb wick, in order to easily burn down, setting therefore her choice upon one of these as a limit of time. Anyone who failed to accomplish the allotted task by the time the stick was consumed had to pay a penalty. Presently, Tan Chun was the first to think of some verses, and taking up her pen, she wrote them down, and after submitting them to several alterations, she handed them up to Ying Chun. Princess of Hongwu, she then inquired of Bao Chai, Have you finished? As for finishing, I have finished, Bao Chai rejoined, but they are worth nothing. Bao Yu paced up and down the veranda with his hands behind his back. Have you heard? He thereupon said to Dai Yu, They've all done. Don't concern yourself about me, Dai Yu returned for answer. Bao Yu also perceived that Bao Chai had already copied hers out. Dreadful, he exclaimed. There only remains an inch of the stick, and I've only just composed four lines. The 
incense stick is nearly burnt out, he continued, speaking to Da Yu. And what do you keep squatting on that damn ground like that for? But Da Yu did not again worry her mind about what he said. Well, Bao Yu added, I can't be looking after you, whether good or bad. I'll write mine out too and have done. As he spoke, he likewise drew up to the table and began putting his lines down. We will now peruse the verses, Li Wen in the post, and if by the time we have done, you haven't as yet handed up your papers, you'll have to be fined. O farmer of Daoxiang, Bao Yu remarked, you are not, it is true, a good hand at writing verses, but you can read well, and what's more, you are the fairest of the lot, so you'll better adjudge the good and the bad, and will submit to your judgment. Of course, responded the party with one voice. In due course, therefore, she first read Tan Chen's draft. It ran as follows. Verses on the Begonia What time the sun's rays slant, and the grass waxed cold, closed the double doors. After a shower of rain, green moss plenteously covers the whole pot. Beauteous is jade, but yet with the impurity it cannot ever vie. Thy frame, spotless as snow, from admiration easy robs me of my wits. Thy fragrant core is like unto a dot, so full of grace, so delicate. When the moon reached the third watch, thy comely shade begins to show itself. Do not tell me that a chaste fairy like thee can take wings and pass away. How lovely are thine charms when in thine company at dusk I sing my lay. After she had read them aloud, one and all sang their praise for a time. She then took up Bao Chai's, which consisted of If thou wouldst careful tend those fragrant lovely flowers, close of a day the doors. And with thine own hands take the can and sprinkle water o'er the mossy pots, red as if with cosmetic washed, are the shadows in autumn on the steps. Their crystal snowy bloom invites the dew on their spirits to heap itself. Their extreme whiteness mostly shows that they are more comely than all other flowers. When much they grieve, how can their jade-like form lack the traces of tears? Wouldst thou the god of those white flowers repay? Then purity needs thou observe. In silence plunges their fine bloom, now that once more day yields to dusk. After all, observed Li Wen, it's the princess of Heng Wu, who expresses herself to the point. Next, they bestowed their attention on the following lines, composed by Bao Yu. Thy form in autumn faints reflects against the double doors. So heaps the snow in the seventh feast that it filleth thy pots. Thy shade is spotless as Tai Chen, when from her bath she howls. Like Zizi's whose hand ever pressed her heart, jade-like 
thy soul. When the morn ushering breeze falls not, thy thousand blossoms grieve. To all thy tears the evening shower addeth another trace. Alone thou leanest against the colored rails as if with sense imbued. As heavy-hearted as the fond wife, beating clothes for her that sadly listens to the flute, thou masks the fall of dusk. When they had perused his verses, Pao Yu opined that Tang Chen's carried the palm. Li Wen was, however, inclined to concede to the stanza indicted by Bao Chai, the credit of possessing much merit. But she then went on to tell Dai Yu to look sharp. Have you all done? Dai Yu asked. So saying, she picked up a pen and completing her task. With a few dashes, she threw it to them to look over. On perusal, Li Wen and her companions found her verses to run in this strain. Half rolled the speckled portier hangs, half closed the door. Thy mold like broken ice it looks, jade like thy pot. This couplet over, Bao Yu took the initiative and shouted, Capital! But he had just had time to inquire where she had recorded them to mind from when they turned their mind to the succeeding lines. Three points of whiteness from the pear petals thou stealst, and from the plume bloom its spirit thou borrowest. Splendid! Everyone who heard them conned over felt impelled to cry. It is a positive fact, they said, that her imagination is, compared with that of others, quite unique. But the rest of the composition was next considered. Its test was, The fairy in Selina's cavity donneth a plain attire. The maiden, plunged in autumn grief, dries in her room the prince of tears. Winsome she blushes, in silence she is plunged, with none a word she breathes. But wearily she leans against the eastern breeze, though dusk has long since fallen. This stanza ranks above all, they unanimously remarked, after it had been read for their benefit. As regards beauty of thought and originality, this stanza certainly deserves credit, Li Wen asserted. But as regards pregnancy and simplicity of language, it, after all, yields to that of Heng Wu. This criticism is right, Tan Chun put in, that of the Xiaoshang concert must take second place. Yours, gentlemen of Yi Hong, Li Wen pursued, is the last of the lot. Do you agreeably submit to this verdict? My stanza, Pao Yu ventured, isn't really worth a straw. Your criticism is exceedingly fair, but he smilingly added, the two poems written by Heng Wu and Xiao Shang have still to be discussed. You should, argued Li Wen, fall in with my judgment. This is no business of any of you. 
so whoever says anything more will have to pay a penalty. Pao Yu at this reply found that he had no alternative but to drop the subject. I decided that from henceforward, Li Wen proceeded, we should hold meetings twice every month, on the 2nd and 16th. In the selection of themes and the settlement of the rhymes, you all have then to do as I wish. But any person who may, during the intervals, feel so disposed, will be at perfect liberty to choose another day for an extra meeting. What will I care if there is a meeting every day of the moon? It will be no concern of mine, so long as when the 2nd and 16th arrive, you do as you are bound to, and come over to my place. We should, as is but right, Pao Yu suggested, choose some name or other for our society. Where an ordinary one chosen, it wouldn't be nice, Tan Chun explained, and anything too newfangled, eccentric or strange won't also be quite the thing. As luck would have it, we have just started with the poems on the begonia, so let us call it the Begonia Poetical Society. This title is, it's true, somewhat commonplace, but as it's positively based on fact, it shouldn't matter. After this proposal of hers, they held further consultation and partaking of some slight refreshments, each of them eventually retired. Some repaired to their quarters, others went to Daoja Lady Jia's or Madame Wang's apartments, but we will leave them without further comment. End of section 24